If you will please turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 16. This Holy Week, we've been looking at the last week of Jesus' life through the Gospel of Mark. And this morning, we come to Mark's account of the resurrection. It's very short, doesn't contain as much detail as some of the other Gospels do. But this morning, I pray that we will see a very profound theological point and application for the Christian life that God's Word has for us. This is God's holy Word to us this morning. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb. For trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Let's pray. Oh God, we thank you for your word of truth, and we pray now, Father, as we reflect and meditate on the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you would fill our hearts, our minds with power by your Holy Spirit to teach us the truth contained therein. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Friends, I have good news for you this morning. The story of Jesus of Nazareth did not end with his death and subsequent burial. Earlier in the service, we read from 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, he said this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And then he appeared, appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, And to the twelve, that's the twelve apostles. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are alive, though some have fallen asleep. So what Paul was saying here to the church in Corinth is, you can go and talk to these people who saw the risen Christ. He is alive. The testimonies of the Holy Scriptures is that Jesus was crucified, that he died, And then he was buried, and then on the third day he rose. He rose up from the grave. The tomb where Jesus' body laid was found to be empty. It happened just as Jesus said it would. Earlier in Mark's gospel in chapter 8, 
Jesus said to his disciples that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise. And Mark says he said this plainly. This was not in code. He said this for all to hear. Jesus Christ was crucified, dead, and buried. And on the third day, up from the grave, he arose. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is everything. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is why we are here today. The resurrection is the promise of all promises. The promise is that what was dead will be brought back to life. Christianity rests on the doctrine of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because without the resurrection, there is no hope. We have no basis for hope. We have no good reason to talk about Jesus Christ and Him crucified if there's no resurrection. If Christ has not been raised and our faith is futile and we are still dead in our sins, Paul says in 1 Corinthians. If there's no resurrection, then there's no justification. We, we cannot come into the presence of a holy and righteous God and be forgiven if there's no resurrection. If Christ had not been raised, then we cannot have peace with God. We cannot gain entry into heaven. There is no after, afterlife, and there will be no bodily resurrection. If Christ had not been raised from the dead, then the only hope that we can offer to one another is simple platitudes or cliche sayings that cannot save us. But today is Resurrection Sunday. Today is the Lord's Day. I don't know if you know that, but the reasons that Christians worship on every Sunday Week after week, which, by the way, is a very unique Christian thing in this world. Week after week, we worship on Sunday because it is the day that the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. That's why we call it the Lord's Day, the day he rose from the dead. This day means everything. So the resurrection is the foundational to Christianity. The resurrection is foundational to the gospel. It is foundational to belief in God and in His Son, Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the cornerstone of our faith. And so now as we turn our attention to Mark's gospel here in chapter 16, let's look at his account of the resurrection through the eyes of these women who went to the tomb early that Sunday morning in order to anoint Jesus' body with spices. And the reason that they went to do this is because they believed that he was dead and that his body was, in fact, in decay. And so these spices might help with the smelling. They wanted to continue to minister to their Lord even after his death. And by the way, it's worth thinking about If you are going to fabricate a story of a resurrection in the ancient world, you would not do it on the testimony of women because their testimony would not be valid in an ancient court. But nevertheless, Mark records what happens to these three women because it is very important to our faith. It is very important that we learn about their experiences here because it has much to teach us about how we should respond to the resurrection. And so let's look at three things here in this passage. 
Let's look at what these women saw, what these women heard, and what these women felt as they went to the tomb early that morning. First, what they saw. Verses 4 and 5, the Gospel of Mark tells us that on Sunday, the two Marys and Salome woke up very early to go and anoint the body of Jesus. These women were, in fact, disciples of Jesus. They were devoted followers of him, and they loved serving him and attending to his needs and even felt that calling after his death. While the women were on their way to the tomb that morning, they were wondering how they were going to be able to get into the tomb, knowing that there was a very large stone that was covering the tomb that, in fact, sealed it up. And even more, Matthew's gospel tells us that it was guarded by Roman soldiers. So how could they get into the tomb and anoint the dead body of Jesus? They must have not thought this all the way through. How are some women going to go and roll away such a large stone? But that's kind of what happens when we're sad, when we're in mourning, right? We're often confused. We don't think very clearly. But when the women got to their tomb, to their surprise, the stone had been rolled away. And there was an angel in the tomb in glorious, glorious appearance, so much so that it frightened the women. Now let's be clear about what they saw. What they saw was an empty tomb and that a very large stone was rolled back and the soldiers were nowhere to be found. But they did find someone sitting there on the right side of the tomb, dressed in white. There was, in fact, an angel of the Lord who was in the appearance of a young man, and his presence alarmed them. In other words, they were nearly scared to death by the powerful presence of this angel of the Lord. And after the angel calmed them down and told them not to be alarmed, he declared to them what happened. We don't know a whole lot about angels, do we? The scriptures don't go into much detail, but we do know that every time that they appear in the scriptures, something very important and very powerful is about to happen. And this is one of those times. This angel had the most epic piece of news to give. And so let's secondly look at what the women heard there in verses 6 through 7. What they heard was the most amazing news possible. The angel said, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, but he is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. He is risen. He's not there. I know you came to anoint him, but he is not here. Save your spices. The angel affirmed the gospel to them. Just as it had been prophesied by Jesus. Yes, Jesus of Nazareth was crucified, the angel said to them. Yes, he died. Yes, he was buried. But now, Mary, Mary, Salome, go and see for yourself. Go see the place where they laid them. What do you see, ladies? That's right. He's not there. And the reason he's not there is because he is alive. He came back from the dead. He had risen. Imagine for a minute what these women experienced in that moment. 
In their hands, they were carrying spices to go and anoint a body that they thought was dead. There was no doubt that they were still in mourning. It was no doubt that they were still in shock at the death of their Lord. And now all of a sudden they heard from a very trustworthy authority, an angel from heaven, that Jesus, he was alive. I'm afraid that sometimes the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, it gets lost on us. We sometimes are not as moved by this truth that seeing someone who was died, who had died is now alive. Because we've all, most of us in this room, we've only known Jesus as the one who lived and who died and who rose again. He did that nearly 2,000 years ago. But could you imagine, could you try to fathom the joy, the confusion, the overwhelming shock that came upon these women in that moment when they heard that he had risen? This past week, I saw an article where two women in Russia had a pet dog that they dearly love who died, and they buried him, only a few days later to be reunited with their pet who dug himself out of his grave and came back to them. Hard to know what's true these days on the internets. But that is nothing, nothing compared to what Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome felt. They saw Jesus scourged. They saw Jesus crucified on a Roman cross. They saw Jesus die. They saw him experience a brutal death. And now they heard that he is alive. And they saw the empty tomb. And so let's thirdly look at what they felt. Look in verse 8. After the angel gave them this news, the women were afraid, it says. They were trembling. They were astonished. They, They ran away. Well, why were they afraid? Why was this their reaction? Why doesn't Mark tell us that they... They danced and sang and prophesied because of the good news. Because if you think about it, the Gospel of Mark here really ends in a negative way, doesn't it? The way the Gospel ends in verse 8 is with a negative response. Not only do the women run away in shock, they don't seem to obey the simple command given to them by the angel. The angel told them to go and tell Peter and the other disciples the good news. And they didn't do it, at least not right away. All four of the Gospels give for us a resurrection account, and each of them record different details, and they all come together to harmonize a complete picture of what happened at the resurrection. But again, the Gospel of Mark, in his writing here, he has a theological and a practical point that he wants to make known to us from this account of the resurrection. And so if you go back to the beginning of Mark and read one of Jesus' first miracles, you have a very stark contrast to what's going on here. 
At the beginning of Mark, you may hear, you may remember that Jesus heals a leper. And after Jesus heals this leper, what does he say? Don't go tell anyone. But then what does the leper do? He goes and tells everyone. And here you have the angel telling the women to go and tell everyone. And the women tell no one. They are silent. Mark's gospel ends in a most unusual way. There's no appearance of Jesus. There's no great church revival. No, the women are not running to tell everyone like Matthew records. Why? Why does Mark's gospel end with the women afraid? Now, I know what you're thinking. Most of you are looking down at your Bibles. You should be looking at your Bibles. You should have your Bibles open. We're watching you. No, I'm kidding. You might look there in your Bibles and you may go, Wilson, my Bible doesn't end in verse 8. What kind of trick are you playing on me here? Well, your Bible should include an editorial note where it says that verses 9 through 20 do not appear in some of the earlier manuscripts that we have of the Gospel of Mark. We actually have very, very old copies of the Gospel of Mark written in Koine Greek. We actually have, there's actually copies of the Gospel of Mark back from the first century. And some of these very early uh, copies that we have of the Gospel of Mark do not have verses 9 through 20. They appear in some of the later copies in the 2nd and 3rd century. And so suffice to say, and I believe it is true, that the Gospel of Mark ends in verse 8. And probably some of those copyists go, that's not a nice way to end. Let's add a little more because we know this other stuff happened. And I believe these other things are true. They're they're compilations of things that have happened. We read about in the other Gospels. But I think Mark wanted his Gospel to end. Verse 8. The women left afraid. Again, why would he end his Gospel this way? With the women fleeing, afraid, silent. Why? Again, I believe that there's a biblical and theological and practical point that the gospel wants to make here. Because the Bible doesn't want us to focus on the faith of the disciples. Because they all deserted Jesus after he was arrested. Nor does the Bible necessarily want us to champion the faith of these women. Because, again, they're not a great example to us either as they went away. What we are to focus on, what Mark's gospel wants us to focus on, is an empty tomb. See the place where they laid him? He's not there. Mark ends with our focus entirely on the power of God manifested by an empty tomb. And so there it is, an empty tomb, a place where the dead are laid. This tomb has no dead. And it assures us of the sovereign supernatural power of God, whereby he raised his son from the dead, thereby assuring for us, guaranteeing for us that our sins are forgiven 
and that one day God will raise us up too to be with Christ. God raised Jesus from the dead by his sovereign power. And the resurrection is true because the power of God is decreed and the tomb is empty. Another amazing truth about the resurrection that is so important to Christianity, that is so treasured among Christians, that the Bible says that the power that God displayed, that the power that God exerted by raising his son from the dead is the same power that he works in those who trust in Jesus Christ by faith. That's what Paul teaches in Ephesians. And so I ask you this morning, have you experienced that resurrection power? The Bible says that apart from Jesus, you are in fact dead in your sin. You are dead. If you don't know Jesus, then you are in fact the walking dead. All you will do is live in this world and then you will die. And there will be nothing for you but hell. If you are apart from Jesus, you are actually spiritually lifeless. There is no life in you. You are without life. And so do you want to be raised from death to life? Do you want to have new spiritual life that only Jesus can give? Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into the judgment. He has passed from death to life. So this is the day that the Lord has made, brothers and sisters. This is resurrection day. This is the day that God demonstrated his love for us by raising his son from the dead and demonstrating that we who are now united to Christ by his spirit and we are in him by faith, we have fellowship with him by his graces. We have fellowship with him in his sufferings. We have fellowship with him in his death. We will have fellowship with him in his resurrection and glory. All good and precious promises because of the resurrection. And so here in the power of Christ, we stand. And no power of hell and no scheme of man can ever pluck us from his hand. And so will you go to him? Will you go to the one who lived and died and rose again? Will you go to him who says he is the way, the truth, and the life? Because in Jesus Christ, there is resurrection power, mighty to save. Christ has risen. He has risen indeed. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you for that great power that you exerted when you raised your one and only Son, our Lord, our King, our Redeemer, Jesus Christ from the dead. And we thank you for that great promise that those who are in Christ are united to him in his death and in his resurrection. So, Lord, we thank you that he was crucified for us, that he 
that he was delivered over to death for our sins, but that he was raised to life for our justification so that we might stand before you holy and spotless because of the work of Jesus Christ. We praise you, O God, for your resurrection power. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.